It's time to think about the Bible like you never have before. You're tuned into Christian Questions. Join the conversation now on air or online at ChristianQuestions.com and download our app by searching for Christian Questions Radio. Here's Rick and Jonathan. Stephen Covey once said, While we are free to choose our actions, we are not free to choose the consequences of our actions. Good morning, I'm Rick, and this is not your typical Christian commentary as we look at Bible-related topics from a different perspective. And I'm Jonathan, and that different perspective has its basis in three things. Godly principles, family values, honest dialogue, always done in a politically free zone. Folks, thanks for joining us today. This is a call-in format. We happen to be caller-friendly. So, Jonathan, good morning, sir. Let's get started. Good morning, Rick. Our question for this morning is, freedom and responsibility, still important? Our theme text... Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Well, thank you for answering the question. Positively... Beyond the shadow of a doubt. And I'm just giving you my opinion. Oh, well, thank you <laughs> Just <for that>. wait. <laughs> well, Rick, our theme text is found in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. A text from Genesis, from the very beginning. And when we look at that, and then we have to look at where we are now, we are blessed. We, here, live in a country where freedom of speech and assembly are a given. A country where we can choose who to worship and how we accomplish that worship. We live in a country where we can apply ourselves, work hard, and attain levels of success that are not only rare, they are unheard of. In many other places. You see, we live in America and we have the freedoms that we currently enjoy because of the wisdom and sacrifice of the countless patriots who founded our country long ago. As we pause over the 4th of July weekend to celebrate their efforts and success, we also want to pause to look long and hard at our present interpretation of freedom. Have we lost our way when it comes to the privilege of living in freedom and assuming the necessary responsibilities that are inherent to it? Is our freedom in America here on borrowed time? God bless America.
That was Martina McBride. We'll come back to that later in the program. But, Jonathan, you know, that song, that anthem, is basically a prayer. It really is. And it's giving honor to God. And it's saying, God, bless us, please. This is such a wonderful place. And it's, and it's, it's putting the advantage, the opportunity, and the freedom that we have in a place where it belongs under God. Mm. And it's saying, God bless us. You have. Look at what you've given us. And to me, it helps to put things in perspective. And that's why we start there. We're talking this morning, folks, about freedom and we're talking about responsibility, how the two are connected, the importance of both, and where we stand with freedom and responsibility today. Are they both still as important as they were, say, oh, I don't know, 230 years ago or so? Have we lost our way? Have we lost our grip on freedom and responsibility? So, Jonathan, let's get started with this by just understanding, well, first of all, what is freedom? How, how do you figure out what freedom is? There's all, you, you can write papers on it and, and, and so forth. Let's, let's get really basic. What does the dictionary say freedom is? The quality or state of being free as, A, the absence of necessity, coercion, or constraint in choice or action, B, liberation from slavery or restraint or from the power of another, independence. Okay, so that gives us a good start on what does it mean to be free, the absence of necessity or coercion or constraint. Uh, independence, the, the liberation from slavery. Those are the kinds of things that you think about and say, yes, that's what freedom is. That's what freedom means. That's, what, that's, that's how we want to live. Sure. Everybody wants to live that way. So you got a sense, a simple sense from the dictionary of what freedom is. Let's take a look, a quick look at the Old Testament and a scripture that actually in American history is a very important scripture. Uh, it's Leviticus 25.10. And ye shall hallow the fiftieth year, and proclaim liberty throughout all the land, until all the inhabitants thereof. It shall be a jubilee unto you, and ye shall return every man unto his possession, and ye shall return every man unto his family. And, you know, I said that that's a, it's an important scripture in American history, and, pr- you know, it's one of those things that a lot of people probably don't think about. Or maybe they're not even taught anymore. I don't know. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if, if they're not taught in school. But on the Liberty Bell is inscribed, proclaim liberty throughout the land. It comes from this scripture. It's not something that one of the founding fathers made up and said, hey, here's a great catchphrase. Let's use this. <laughs> no, it's a biblical scripture. It's engraved on the Liberty Bell. Rick, the beauty of the Jewish Jubilee is a picture of God's kingdom, freedom from sin and death, which we are presently captive to. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, and, and you're right. The Jubilee was, was a great, great picture of a, of a different kind of freedom. It was really a, a returning back to something um, that we don't have a lot of time to go into today, but it really is a great picture of, of the thinking and the mentality and the plan of God in a very big way. Mm-hmm. And that's something that when, you, when I think about that 
concept of, of the Jubilee and that this scripture is engraved on the, the Liberty Bell, you think, okay, yes, we enjoy freedom, but just wait. Wait till wait till the freedom of God's plan. Yes, you know that's that's the big the big freedom. So so the word for liberty in Leviticus twenty five ten mean means what? Freedom, hence spontaneity of outflow, and so clear. So spontaneity of outflow. In other words, you can go where you would like. You can just pour out, and and you know there's no restriction. I guess is is part of what what that would mean. So we're getting a sense of what, what freedom means. It's the 4th of July weekend, and typically, Jonathan, every year we do a program that, that, that angles toward freedom, uh, that looks at American history a little bit, uh, and that tries to put freedom in a context where it, it belongs. And the context where freedom belongs is never without responsibility. And we'll develop that as we go. Folks, if you have a thought, if you have a thought on freedom, on American freedom, about, on, on experiences of freedom with responsibility, you can certainly give us a call at 866-985-4255, toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9 Eastern and 6 to 8 Central, and that means we're on right now. And you can also send us a message on your app. And if you don't have an app... With your smartphone, go to your app store and type in Christian Questions Radio. It's a free service. That's right. Don't take a nap. Get an app. (laughs) All right? There you go. (laughs) There's a catchphrase. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's look at freedom in the New Testament, Jonathan. There's three basic words that are used. They're very closely related. And so just very quickly, you know, a couple uh, word definition for each one. Then we'll look into some examples. Unrestrained, not a slave. Okay, that's one word. To liberate. To exempt. That's the second word. Freedom. That's the third word. So let's take a look at these three words and just define them. And then in the next segment, we're really going to delve into how to understand true, true, true freedom. The first word carries a physical or civil sense of being free. It, you said not being a slave, not being held under. That's in 1 Corinthians twelve thirteen. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and having been all made to drink into one spirit. See, the idea of whether we be bond or free, in those days there were people who were slaves. That's right. So he's saying whether we are slaves or free men, meaning unrestrained, and we can do, you know, have, have liberty and the ability to do what we want. That's that civil sense of being free. Well, the second word for freedom in the New Testament carries a very, uh, a very full sense of being made free. Not merely not being a slave, but rather being actually liberated. So you, you have a sense of, okay, in the first word, it's not being a slave in a civil sense, but here it, it's bigger. Uh, Romans 8.2 is a good example of this one. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Has liberated me from the law of sin and death. And I'll tell you what, any time anybody can be liberated from the law of sin and death, mm. good news. Yes. <laughs> Very good news. That's like the kind of news that everybody would like to wake up to every morning. Mm-hmm. What? We're liberated from the laws of sin and death? Sign me up. <laughs> really, that is really, when you think about freedom, that's the kind of freedom you want to have. Oh, for sure. Okay? So, uh, 
there's a much bigger sense of freedom in that second word. The third word for freedom, uh, the one that you said just simply means freedom, carries the, the, the personal application of being liberated, the ability to make personal decisions. And it's kind of, kind of almost an outgrowth of that previous uh, liberation process that we just talked about. Galatians 5.1 is a good example of that. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. All right, so again, Christ has made us free. Now you think about that for a, a moment, and you think, well, wait a minute. We're always on this program talking about, as a true Christian, you are, you know, we talk about being, being, uh, servants to righteousness, being servants to self-sacrifice, always having to give things up and, 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 and not do your own will. And you think, wait, wherein Christ has made us free and that's how you define it? And the answer is absolutely, positively. Does responsibility have something to do with well, it? Well, and that's the thing. Freedom and responsibility always have to work together. So, to be free. What, what does it mean to be free? It means to have choice. Right. What else? Um, is to have self-expression. To be able to express yourself uh, without being carried away in, 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 in chains. What else? Uh, freedom is to be able to apply yourself. To be able to decide what you would like to do. And th- these are all things that are a beginning of what freedom is and how freedom works. There's a whole lot more to it. This is just the foundation, defining freedom. In the next segment, we want to look at how freedom can really, really work and change lives. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject is freedom and responsibility. Still important? Coming up, when and where in history has humankind most free? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. You're listening to Christian Questions. See videos, hear past shows, and talk to us at ChristianQuestions.com. Here's Rick and Jonathan. Welcome back. Our subject for today is freedom and responsibility. Still important? We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9 Eastern and 6 to 8 Central. That means we're on right now. Join our conversation by calling 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. Or you can message us on your app. You know, Rick? Yes. I didn't say that outro right. Okay. I have the freedom to change my mind. <laughs> well, you also have the freedom of expression. Uh, yes. <laughs> to speak a sentence that really didn't make any sense. Exactly. That's your, that's, you have freedoms there, well, my friend. Well, Rick, what I meant was, coming up, when and where in history was humankind most free? Okay. Okay? Now, a little the, bit clearer? <laughs> it is a little clearer, and thank you for that, but that's a good thing. You know, again, a freedom of expression is good. And that is a really important question. When and where in history has humankind been most free? When did did we have the greatest, greatest freedom? Well, to figure freedom out, if we can go back in history to the time when mankind was most free, we can really understand how freedom works. Okay. And see, and Jonathan, for, for me, in, in prep, preparation for the program... That was one of the questions I, start, I asked myself is, okay, when in history, I mean, is America the 
the moment in time, if you will, that mankind has been most free. As I was thinking about it, I thought, actually, no, it's not. The time that a mankind was most free was actually back in the Garden of Eden. Now, look, there's only two of them there, but there was freedom from sin and death. True. There was direct communication with God Almighty. Mm-hmm. Okay, put those two things together. Wow. And you can't get better than that. You're right. You're so right. So let's examine the freedom there. And originally I thought, okay, let's, we'll use that as sort of the introduction for the program. And then I started reading the account. And how many times have we read the account of, from Genesis? A oh. hundred times? Oh, yeah, big time. I have never seen the value of the description of freedom as this time around. So this, to me, this is just truly exciting because, folks, if you want to understand freedom, true freedom, how it really works, stay with us. Jonathan, let's go to Genesis chapter 1, 27 and 28. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So this is the beginning here. It's the, this it, it is the blessing of God that is first mentioned in what I look at and what I have sort of dubbed our freedom legacy. Because the garden experience, look, it didn't end well. No. But the garden experience defines freedom for humankind it truly defines it so the first thing mentioned early in genesis when man appears on on the scene this is in the first chapter of genesis the first thing message is uh, mentioned is the blessing of god the open-ended goodness of the creator as he bestows dominion to those he created in his own image he bestows dominion he bestows upon mankind the trust to take care of the physical creation. He gave them responsibility. He did. He gave them responsibility. He gave them a beautiful place to live. This is the very beginning of our freedom legacy. So, Jonathan, with each segment of the Genesis accounts, I think there's an important freedom message that needs to be revealed. So what's the freedom message from this God blessed them. And, and that's really the key here. God blessed them. What, what's the freedom message? We are most free when we have the direct blessing of God. Now look, a lot of people in our country throughout the world have decided that God is irrelevant. They've decided that God messes up their lives. They've decided that God is a fictitious idea that many of us have made up and that we choose to cling to. They've decided that we are living in a fantasy world, that we are living in a world of mythological beliefs. They're free to believe that. We live in a country that says, yes, you are free to believe that. But I truly believe that the God of the Bible is in fact the creator of the universe. I truly believe that the God of the Bible does in fact have a distinct and clear plan for mankind. And he gave us what that plan would look like right at the beginning. And we've just chosen to ignore it. So let's take those things uh, those, 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 and, and say here is where we begin our discussion on what we believe 
true freedom looks like. So that first freedom message, we are most free when we have the direct blessing of God. Jonathan, let's go to a verse of a another anthem, another American anthem. And, you know, we chose this particular anthem in this place because, you know, Adam and Eve were given the garden. Right, dominion. It, mm-hmm. They were given that garden. So let's listen to this particular verse and see how it kind of parallels along. This land is your land. This land is my land. From California to the New York Island. From the Redwood Forest to the Gulf Stream water. This land was made for you and me. As I went walking that ribbon of highway, I saw above me. That endless skyway I saw below me That golden valley This land was made for you and me This land is your land You know, looking at that particular version and the, the sort of the, the, the country music feel, and to me, what that does is that gives you that sense of that, that, that discovery, that freedom. You know, that that sense of, wow, things are just really cool. And it reminds me of being a kid, frankly, in school. You know, learning that song. And and that's what it reminds me of. That carefree looking around saying, look at all this beautiful, beautiful environment. And that's exactly what was given in the garden. It is. You can imagine, I can imagine, Adam and Eve walking through that garden just immersed in the beauty, in the serenity in the godliness, in the peacefulness, in the tranquility, and the vibrancy of life that they were surrounded with. And all, it, all the senses must have right. been just oozing. Right. So, <laughs> like, wow. They lived in true, true freedom. So let's go back to that. And again, we have a sense of freedom in America. We don't really get true, true freedom, but we have a sense of it. Here. Let's go back now to Genesis 1, uh, now 29 uh, to, to 31. Remember, God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply and uh, subdue the earth and so forth and so on. Genesis 1, 29 to 31. Then God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the surface of all the earth and every tree which has fruit yielding seed and it shall be food for you. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the sky, and to everything that moves on the earth, which is life. And I have given every green plant for food, and it is so. God saw that all he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. So, it's the practicality of God that comes through next in our freedom legacy in Genesis. Now, the first point of the freedom legacy was the blessing of God. And now you see the practicality of God in this freedom legacy. God says, I have provided for you uh, and for everything else, now and in the future. Because you notice they're in the garden, right? Right. They're supposed to live in the garden, develop that garden, and and so forth. We're going to get to that in a minute. Mm -hmm. But he says in this, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the surface of all the earth. Now, the garden was this tiny, little, teeny, teeny piece of real estate. Right. But God is saying, the earth is there for you. He's thinking ahead. 
He's thinking bigger. The, the, uh, the practicality of God and his planning is magnificent, and it's shown to us here in a very, very real sense. The result, this was the end of the sixth day of creation, you know, and it, and it says, and the result was very good in the eyes of God. Now, the other days were just good. Yes, right? yes, they were good, and it was good, and it was good, but this was very good. And then on the seventh day, God rested. Now, let, let's take a minute and talk about days for a minute. Okay, because, you know, the, the idea, when, when you think about seven days of creation, so did God start on a, on a Sunday and end on a Saturday? <laughs> and the answer is no, 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 no. No. A day to the Lord is a thousand years. Now, remember, Rick, Adam lived about 930 years, so dying, he died within that day. Right. And the day of judgment is better understood when you understand what a day means to God. And the six days of creation, uh, it's a period of time, right. right? Right, and the word day doesn't have to mean a day. Uh, it's a period of time. And there's several scriptures that give us that sense. It does. God is consistent and reveals his truth to those who really seek it. Right, right. So, no, the earth wasn't created in seven 24-hour days. That is, that is, frankly, from a scriptural standpoint, it's a silly thought scripturally mm-hmm. uh, because the scriptures are not trying to teach that. No. They're not even alluding to that in a very small way. Okay, So just want to put that in place. So the second part of this was the practicality of God. So what's the freedom message next? We had God's blessing, the direct blessing of God. We're most free when we have the direct blessing of God. The second freedom message is... We are most free... When we appreciate and make use of the providence of God. So it's not just being blessed of God. It's be, because, you know, someone can bless you with a, with, with a gift, with, a, with an opportunity or something like that. Mm-hmm. If you don't make use of it, then what good is the blessing? It's not worth anything. So another part of, another message to freedom is, yes, God can bless us, but make use of the blessing. Make use of what he provides, his providence. That's where freedom comes from. Making use of what God provides for us. And that brings us to the next point of freedom is great. Oh, yes. But it needs responsibility attached. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, and you know, for some it's like, oh darn. Really? <laughs> Do I have to? <laughs> and the answer is, oh yeah. Oh, you have no idea how you have to. What does responsibility mean? Well, Rick, it means the quality or state of being responsible as A, moral, legal, or mentally accountability. Uh, B, reliability, trustworthiness. And the second definition, something for which one is responsible, a burden. Responsibility is the part of the equation that is is lesser in the minds of many and very undesirable in the minds of many. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that's unfortunate because we it live is. in a time where we have some incredible, great freedom right before us. But if we are not responsible with that freedom, really, what good is the freedom? So what are Adam and Eve going to do with all of God's providential overrulings and all these gifts, what are they going to do with it? Okay. Just look at it and say, oh, thanks. Yeah. And do nothing? Well, Let and, it go? And that seems to be the mentality that we have begun to develop here and now. Let, let's go to a different soundbite. This is from um, uh, the, uh, the early show, CBS News. This was a few years ago uh, about uh, millennials. Entitled and Lazy is the, t- is the segment title. And the gentleman they're interviewing, uh, what was his name, Brian Dorsey or something? Um, Jason Dorsey. Thank you, Jewel. 
Um, he is a millennial. So he's talking about his own generation. So the things he says, he's saying essentially about himself. And I think that's an important uh, caveat to understand before we listen to this. From CBS News, it's The Early Show. So much to talk about here. Joining us now is the man known as the Gen Y guy, Jason Dorsey. He's the author of Why Size Your Business. Good to have you with us again here, Jason. Good to talk to you. Thanks for having me back. Okay, so millennials. Mm, let's understand no offense. this. No offense. <laughs> Wait, I'm not a millennial. <laughs> Just kidding. Unfortunately, okay. I kind of wish I was. They're not lazy, but they sure do seem demanding. I want to talk about a recent Cisco study and throw some numbers here on the board. 56% of current college students will not accept a job from a company that bans social media. 60% think they have the right to work remotely with a flexible schedule. I like that. And one of three students prioritize social media freedom and device flexibility over salary. All right. Those, those, what? Those things blow me away. I don't even like social media, so I, I can't relate to that. <laughs> but the idea that 60% you know, value social media over salary, or 56%, I forget which one it was, and that you know, the ability to use your, your, your devices at work, if they disallow it, you don't want to work there. No job there. Yeah. I mm. mean, you think, wait a minute. What happened? Didn't the employer make the rules? Or can we just, do we have the, the ability to decide, oh, I just don't feel like I want to work? No. Wow. <laughs> we'll get back <laughs> to that. That's different. Yeah, we'll get back to that. But that, that's, that's some eye-opening statistics. We'll get back to more of those uh, in a few more minutes. Uh, so let's go back now to the idea of responsibility back in Genesis. Because you asked, okay, what, what do Adam and Eve do with the blessing and the appreciation of the blessing in those first two freedom messages. Let's go to Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 to 18. Then the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to cultivate it and to keep it. The Lord God commanded the man, saying, From any tree of the garden you may freely eat, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. From the day that you eat from it, you shall surely die. Then the Lord said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. So it is the responsibilities that God requires that are now revealed in the story of our freedom legacy. So it's interesting. God's blessings, gifts, and providences were given to set the context of human life on earth. And now humanity is called upon to maintain and protect that context. So the way Genesis introduces freedom is Genesis says about freedom, God blesses you. Mm -hmm. God gives you providence. He takes care of you. He's put things in place for you. Gives you gifts. And mm -hmm. Right. And so you look at that and say, oh, God blesses me. This is good. He gives me gifts. This is good. Mm -hmm. He provides for me. This is good. It is. So it gets you excited about the opportunity for life. Sure. And then God says, I'm putting you here and you now have a job. Here's your part of that equation. All of the things that you said, yeah, these are really great. Thank you, God. All of those great things you now have a responsibility towards. Okay? Um, you need to cultivate and keep it. Right. After all, mankind had dominion and therefore responsibility to keep and protect what God had given them. Cultivate and keep. That's what God said. Here's what you must do. Here's your part. You have a job. You have responsibility. Now, was the main, the, the, so the cultivating and keeping was the maintenance portion of the dominion blessing. Right. But there's more to it than that. There's more that came with dominion. What was it? 
Well, dominion, Rick, also required respect. Okay. Respect for the boundaries of the free gift of our dominion. So not only did you have work to do, but you have respect to give and to abide by whatever the boundaries were that the one who gave you that great gift was. So the freedom message here is what? We are most free when we are responsible, when we do the work required to maintain God's providence, and when we respect and honor the boundaries of that providence. So our greatest freedom comes when we are responsible and when we maintain God's providence and when we respect and we honor the boundaries of all of those things. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject is freedom and responsibility. Still important? Coming up, where and how can freedom go wrong? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. You're listening to Christian Questions. See videos, hear past shows, and talk to us at ChristianQuestions.com. Here's Rick and Jonathan. Welcome back. Our subject for today is freedom and responsibility. Still important? We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9 Eastern and 6 to 8 Central. That means we're on right now. Join our conversation by calling 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-FOR-ALL. Or you can message us on your app. And don't forget to sign up for CQ Rewind, the full edition, at ChristianQuestions.com. So much to uh, take a look at there at the website, ChristianQuestions.com. And folks, really, if you, if you don't have the app, really, you really want to try it out. really, really is a great, great tool. So, so Jonathan, we're looking at freedom. We're looking at these several freedom messages that we are learning from going through the account in Genesis. Because Adam and Eve were freer than anybody in all of human history. That is neat. And I've it, never looked at it that way and, either. And, and you know what? They had freedom because of responsibility. They didn't have freedom with responsibility. Ooh. They had freedom because they were responsible. And as long as they maintained being responsible, they maintained freedom. Interesting. And the responsibility was not only towards the providence and the blessing, it was towards the limitations that God had set upon them. Freedom because of responsibility is really how freedom truly, truly works. Mankind, Adam and Eve, were given dominion. And dominion is a high position and of necessity must be able to stand up under tests. So, what happened? There were tests in the garden. Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 to 3. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said, You shall not eat from any tree of the garden? The woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat from it or touch it, or you will die. So the test, do you know where the boundaries have been, are that have been set for you? See, Satan asked this in a way that would call the boundaries into question. Satan's kind of saying, and I'm going to really, really, really paraphrase Satan here. Okay. Okay. Look, Eve, girl, you've got dominion. Why do you need these silly boundaries? God gave you control, girl. 
take control. And by the way, this fruit is really good. And God didn't tell you the whole story either. So boundaries, come on. They're silly. They're limiting you. That was Satan's message. What's the freedom message that we need to learn from that? We are most free when we demonstrate our ability to know the limitations and the scope of our freedom. We are most free when we understand and apply how we are limited. Because we are. Rick, is having rules really freedom? Yes, it is. You cannot have freedom without rules. I defy anyone to create an environment where there's freedom without rules because inevitably what you will get is anarchy. That is the default result of free expression without rules. It is anarchy. It is death. It is discord. That's what happens when there are no rules. Just look at human history. Let's let's look at American history now. Let's let's excerpt America's original pursuit of freedom with responsibility and put it against the backdrop of this these scriptural principles we're talking about of true freedom to better appreciate the true desires of those who signed that Declaration of Independence all those years ago as we look at this on the 4th of July weekend. So this is just an excerpt from the Declaration, the very beginning of the Declaration of Independence. When in the course of human events it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to the laws of nature and of nature's God entitle them. A decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. So they're talking, Jonathan, this is so brilliantly crafted. They are saying that there come times when you have to make certain decisions based on what? Based on the laws of nature and the laws of God. So their decision to seek independence wasn't because, you know, this doesn't make me feel good. <laughs> no, it, that wasn't it. <laughs> no, it was bigger than that. It was they believed that inherently humankind had the right to be free endowed by God. And we're going to get to that in, in a little bit. And they, they, they knew that they needed to do something about that God-given right. Not the human-given entitlement, the God-given right. And that's where the Declaration of Independence actually starts. It starts by honoring God Almighty. Now look, were they trying to set up, set up a church-state system? No. Absolutely not. They just understood and acknowledged God Almighty. And by the way, Jonathan, on our previous discussion about you know, knowing the limitations and you know, do you need rules, mm -hmm. convenience is not true freedom. Ooh, good okay? point. We think that convenience is freedom. No, 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 no. Convenience is not freedom. Convenience can actually be a subversion of freedom, and we'll get to that in a minute. Okay. Okay. Let's go back to our discussion from the C CBS News early show uh, about millennials and uh, you know their 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 work habits. And th this is Jonathan. This is fascinating to me. Makes me shake my head, but it, it's fascinating. Let's listen. 
as someone who deals with these Generation Y people all the time, when you see these numbers, uh -huh. do you want to just kind of say, hey, come on, <laughs> let's get real. <laughs> I know their parents feel that way. Yeah, well, this is what's interesting. When we interview them, they would rather be unemployed than take a job that they think is beneath them. Great. And this is a shock. I mean, 20 years ago, if mom or dad said, you go get a job, you, you got a job. Yeah. And we're like, I can't look today. It's Friday. Yeah. I mean, it's just a totally <laughs> different mindset. And to use technology as a reason not to get a job is just another manifestation of this. Yeah, or to turn down a job. I mean, so what are businesses doing about this? Are they saying, well, forget about it. We don't need you anyways? It's mixed. It depends the talent that they're looking for. Could say high tech if it's engineering there's a real workforce shortage right now that's overlooked in all these unemployment numbers and so they're saying we'll give you the smartphone we'll let you work from home bring your mom it's fine it means you'll be here on time and so they are going out and recruiting differently they're incentivizing differently they're making more level organizations and they're giving these millennials a chance to make a difference from day one and that is what we really want more than title more than money <laughs> Bring your mom, you'll be on time. Well, at least you'll be on time because your mom will make sure you get there. What? Do we, what? Do we, you know, we shouldn't be laughing. No, this is serious this stuff. Is this is really, really sad. You know, the idea that most won't take a job that they deem beneath them, right out of the shoot. I mean, excuse me, but who do you think you are? You know, <laughs> if you're going to be a contributor to a society a here's a news flash the society is bigger than you b those things that are in place need to be honored and respected if you think that they should be changed go to work be successful and change them from within don't demand the change just because you are there you know freedom because of responsibility is something that is very sadly lacking when when we read the the the, the sense of the declaration of independence what we heard in those statistics is directly opposed to the attitude that the declaration w was written with. That's right. Folks, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255, toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9 Eastern and 6 to 8 Central, and that means we're on right now. Don't forget to interact with us on our Facebook, and you can tweet us at CQ. Net radio at ChristianQuestions.com. So, Jonathan, we have been going through Genesis and looking at freedom because of responsibility. And it's clearly labeled in Genesis. The last dropping into Genesis, we looked at Satan creating a test, a very difficult test, that, a test that Adam and Eve would both fail. Yes, they would. And he gave them elements... In that test, those who would usurp the bond between creator and created, and that's what exactly what Satan was doing. Yes. He was usurping that bond between the creator and the created. They, the way it gets done, and folks, listen carefully to this, is they provide alternate thinking, enticing suggestions, and accessible pathways, none of which provoke true freedom. Remember I said to you before, convenience is not true freedom? Yes. This is what happens in these next verses. Listen to the alternate thinking, the enticing suggestion, and the accessible pathway that's provided that is not part of the freedom contract. Genesis 3, 4 through 7. The serpent said to the woman, You surely will not die, for God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was desirable to make one wise. She took from its fruit and ate, 
and she gave also to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. So what happens here? First of all, Satan, because he's usurping authority, is providing alternate thinking. What's he telling them? What's he telling Eve? You will not die. Okay. He's saying, look, you won't die. Now, there's some truth in that because that was the tree of life. All right? But he didn't tell the entire story. But he's providing alternate thinking. He's getting her to think about one little piece. That is not true freedom. The second piece is he gives her an enticing suggestion. What is that? Your eyes will be opened. And so he's saying something great is going to happen. God is keeping you from something great happening in your life. Why would you allow him to do that? You have dominion. What is wrong with you? And he provides an accessible pathway. What is he telling her? You will be like God. Now, you will be like God. And I think part of that is, look, you will have enlightenment the same way God does. Why wouldn't you want that? You see, God is keeping you down. God is stifling your own creativity. God is keeping you from your full fulfillment. No, God was keeping them free. God was keeping them free and responsible is how he was keeping them. And the result, what was the result of all this? Freedom is violated. So we have a freedom message that comes from this account, this part of the account. Folks, listen carefully to this. We are no longer free when we violate the responsibilities of our freedom legacy by acting on those things presented to us by those out of harmony with godly principles. So freedom, we said earlier, has choices. Yes. And part of the choice of freedom here was for Eve specifically in this particular context to decide what voice will I listen to? The one that created freedom because of responsibility or the one that's giving me suggestions that contradicts the freedom with the responsibility? That was the choice. And, you know, every freedom message up to this point was we're most free when. We are most free when. This freedom message is we are no longer free when we violate the responsibilities of that legacy by acting on things presented to us by those who are not in harmony with godly principles. Now, we didn't say not in harmony with things that sound good. We said not in harmony with godly principles. That is where the truest freedom in life can possibly come from. Folks, in the second hour, obviously, we have so much more to talk about in terms of true freedom, how freedom actually can work in your life because of responsibility. So please, please, please stay with us for Jonathan and Rick and Christian Questions. Freedom and responsibility. Oh, so important. We'll be back after the news on all that, but till then, think about it. It's time to think about the Bible like you never have before. You're tuned into Christian Questions. Join the conversation now, on air or online, at ChristianQuestions.com. And download our app by searching for Christian Questions Radio. Here's Rick and Jonathan. Eleanor Roosevelt once said, Freedom makes a huge requirement of every human being. With freedom 
comes responsibility. For the person unwilling to grow up, the person who does not want to carry his own weight, this is a frightening prospect. Amen to that. Good morning. Welcome back. I'm Rick, and this is not your typical Christian commentary as we look at Bible-related topics from a different perspective. And Jonathan, we have got... I think an incredibly exciting subject on the table this morning on this 4th of July weekend. What is it? Rick, our question is, freedom and responsibility still important? And our theme text is found in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. We're talking about freedom and and responsibility still important and the answer to that is in a resounding yes not only are freedom and responsibility still important what we have learned thus far from genesis and incidentally the freest mankind has ever been was in the garden of eden before sin before sin yes they had all the rules all the guidelines all the beauties and privileges and providences of freedom and they had responsibility And as long as they were responsible, they could keep the freedom. So it's not freedom with responsibility. It's freedom because of responsibility. So, Jonathan, there were several freedom messages from the first hour. Let's just quickly recap them before we continue. We are most free when we have the direct blessing of God. That was the very first interchange uh, in Genesis regarding mankind. Uh, The second one, we are most free when we appreciate and make use of the providence of God. Third one, we are most free when we are responsible, when we do the work required to maintain God's providence, and when we respect and honor the boundaries of that providence. It's not only doing the work, but it's respecting and honoring the boundaries of of the providence. That is the key that everybody seems to forget. And and go ahead, go on to the next one. We are most free when we demonstrate our ability to know the limitations of the scope of our freedom. All right, so we need to know where where how far is it's supposed to go. We need to not only know it, but we need to show it. Show that you know it. What's next? We're no longer free when we violate the responsibilities of our freedom legacy by acting on those things presented to us by those out of harmony with godly principles. And Satan in this case. So those first several freedom messages, we are most free when? But the last one you read was, we are no longer free. Mm -hmm. So what Genesis does is it defines freedom for us defines how to keep freedom, and then shows us the consequences of losing, uh, of not abiding by those, the rules of freedom. Okay, so let's go back to uh, another verse of another American anthem. And again, this is to set the sense of dominion. Look, we have blessing, we have privilege, we should feel that childlike enthusiasm and happiness because of it. And the sun was shining as I was strolling through the wheat fields waving and let us clouds rolling. New York 
You know, that just reminds me of being a kid, of that 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 sense of 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 enthusiasm. A time of innocence. Yeah, and, and yeah. you know, okay, this land was made for you and me. Here's the question: What are you doing about it? How are you fulfilling your responsibility to it, to one another, to the principles of godliness to keep that freedom intact? After listening to the voices contrary to God's own voice, let's go back to the garden. From Satan. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's the voice, the voice contrary. What happened in the garden? They felt exposed. Remember it said at the end of the last hour when we read the Genesis count, you know, they knew that they were naked. Mm -hmm. Okay, so they, they began to feel exposed because now things were suddenly different. Genesis 3, 9 through 12. Then the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman whom you gave to me, she gave me from the tree, and I ate. There's so much in there, Jonathan. First of all, like such a good parent, you know, God, you know, finds, God knows what happened. Yes. Because, you know, especially when kids are, are small, parents always kind of know ahead of time. Oh, yeah. You know, and I, I remember, especially with Tim, because he would get into trouble all the time. <laughs> you could, I could, I knew him so well, I could predict what he was going to do oh, when. No. And I would tell Trish, okay, let's just wait. Let's just wait. Let's let that happen so we can learn the lesson. And, you know, just like a good parent, God says, oh, really? So who told you that you were naked? I never told you that. And, mm. you know, then, then he's got to come clean. And, of course, well, but, but she made me do it. <laughs> so, Just like a kid. <laughs> yeah, right. But, you know, God is so wise. He's so benevolent. He's so caring. He is so providential that all of this ends up working together for our good. But the great big lesson here in this particular moment is understanding that they suddenly want to hide from the very one who hold, held their freedom in their, in their lives in his hand. They want to hide from him now because they feel ashamed. See, by violating the responsibility, the sacredness of the guidelines of their freedom, they now felt shame. So what's the freedom message here? We are no longer free, but we must live in shame of our actions. Try and deflect the blame for our choices and feel a need to hide. These are all symptoms of denying responsibility. When you deny responsibility, you deny freedom. Your own freedom. And in this case, they denied freedom to their posterity. Mm. So not only can we deny freedom to ourselves, but we can deny it to those who will follow after us. Jonathan, let's go to the phones. All right. Well, we have Julius from Connecticut. Good morning, Julius, and welcome to Christian Questions. Gentlemen, good morning. Happy 4th of July to you. Thank you. You too, sir. And uh, you are on the air because in this country we have freedom of speech. Yes. You know, not every country will allow what you're doing, so we're grateful for that. Yes. Uh, freedom is not free. Millions of marriages fail because people do not pay... Do not pay attention to the rules of responsibility and commitment. One scripture, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. John 8, 32. Thank you, and God bless. Thank you, Julius. Appreciate your call. 
And, you know, he's so right. And we haven't even touched on the idea of marriage, but marriage works on the same principles. There is great freedom in marriage because of responsibility to that marriage. Mm-hmm. So he touched on something that's a huge, huge subject, oh, but yeah. really relevant to this, this whole conversation. Julius, thanks uh, so much for that. So, so, Jonathan, Adam and Eve were ashamed. And the freedom message is you're no longer free when you begin to live in the shame of your actions. The Founding Fathers, let's go back to the Founding Fathers here in the Declaration of Independence. They truly did see life as a responsibility to honor God and then to pursue freedom. But you notice the order, to honor God and then to pursue freedom. That puts guidelines on your freedom by definition. It does. And that's what freedom absolutely needs. Again, let's go back to just a few of the lines, the early lines of the Declaration of Independence. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by the Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed, that whatever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it, and to institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. So uh, they say that, you know, to secure these rights, you have to sometimes make changes. And what are the rights endowed by the Creator? Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Not happiness. That's not a right. The pursuit of happiness, sure it is. But happiness itself, no. How do you pursue it? By being responsible to the guidelines of the freedom. Speaking of being responsible to the guidelines, let's go back to the CBS uh, early show, the, the, the news program. They're interviewing, uh, what was that guy's name again? Jason Dorsey. Jason Dorsey. Thank you, Jewel, who is a millennial, talking about his generation and the challenges they have in today's workforce. But not to be confused, these Gen Yers are not lazy people. They're, they just have a different mentality, right? They are highly skilled. Well, some of them are lazy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Like, I'm, just, go overboard. I'm trying to they help sound them out lazy. a little bit here. <laughs> I mean, I have a lot of friends that haven't woken up yet. I mean, don't get me wrong. They're not looking for a job. It is 845. Uh, <laughs> but uh, they do have a different work preference. And what that means, like yesterday I spoke to all these CEOs, and they said, Jason, your generation's great. They don't show up on time, but they stay late. At 2 a.m., they're sending emails. They're doing so on the they are working. Yeah, we just work differently, exactly. and that is the rub. Because people want us to work in the way in which they work, and that doesn't fit this generation. But do a lot of companies say, look, we're not willing to warm up to these trends? And does that hurt a lot of kids that are trying to get jobs? It does. It does. In fact, if, if I were to coach Gen Y millennials, it would be to lower your expectations, get a job now. Because we know if you stay unemployed after high school or college graduation for a year, two, three years, it's much harder to enter the workforce. So, you know, this generation has certain, Gen Yers have certain expectations. And he's saying, I would counsel people of my own generation to lower your expectations. Where do your expectations come from? What about starting at the bottom and working your way up? You see, that's freedom because of responsibility. Entitlement is, look, I'm educated, I'm smart, I should get the job I want. What's your problem? And yes, I should be able to work from home, and I should be able to engage in social media while I work. And what's your problem? 
How about the sad point? Okay, so you don't get a job for three or four years. All the schooling you went to is now worthless yeah. because now you can't get into the job force? So it, 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 it's, a, it's a dramatic immaturity that we're seeing, and it's a dramatic misapplication of the principles of true freedom. Who's going to pay for the schooling? Well, <laughs> that's right. Mommy and daddy. Um, and we'll get to that later as well. Look, inevitably, we will again have to hear the voice of blessing. Okay, you know, getting back to Genesis now. Okay, we're switching gears back to Genesis. We're going to have to hear that voice of blessing, the voice of the author of our freedom. And now that voice is going to be speaking to us different things. Because remember, there were choices made that were out of harmony with the freedom and the guidelines that God had set. So that same voice that gave them freedom and blessing and providence and an and open-ended opportunity is now going to pronounce the consequences of accountability. Genesis three seventeen to 19. And this is what happens when we take freedom and we misapply it. Then to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree about which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you will eat it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall grow for you. And you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you will eat bread till you return to the ground. Because from it you were taken, for you are dust. And to dust you shall return. So freedom, Jonathan, true freedom brings life and peace. Liberty without responsibility brings toil and hardship and will always eventually lead to death. And that's sad when we talk about freedom and all the goodness of freedom. So what's the freedom message here? It's not a happy one. We are no longer free when we have been irresponsible and we are faced with the removal of privilege and choice and are left only with the broken pieces of what was once the blessing of freedom. We in our freedom can make choices to violate the guidelines of that freedom and then we are no longer free. We can think we're free, we can act like we're free, but you know what? We put ourselves into a new environment and that is environment of sadness. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject is freedom and responsibility. Still important? Coming up, the consequences of irresponsibility are dire. Is there a silver lining to any of this? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. You're listening to Christian Questions. See videos, hear past shows, and talk to us at ChristianQuestions.com. Here's Rick and Jonathan. Welcome back. Our subject for today is freedom and responsibility. Still important? We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9 Eastern and 6 to 8 Central. That means we're on right now. Join our conversation by calling 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-FOR-ALL. Or you can message us on your app. And don't forget to get your free app on your smartphone. Go to your app store and type in Christian Questions Radio. So, Jonathan, we are looking at, and to me it's incredibly fascinating that the story of the first two human beings ever created gives us all of the answers, all of the elements, all of the education we will ever need in relation to understanding true freedom. And it's it's a godly principle. Freedom is a godly principle. And in Genesis, you have all of the answers as how it's supposed to work. 
Now, look, we saw them fall from grace. Yes, they did. We saw them choose to listen to a different voice and forfeit their incredible freedom. Now, we saw God pronounce that, you know, okay, things have gone wrong now. You've made a choice and now there are consequences. Yes. And now again, that's the, that's the sign of a good parent when there are consequences for a wrong action. Fortunately, the giver of blessing and freedom and, and, and our freedom legacy is, is, is a God of compassion. In the midst of handing down the consequences for Adam and Eve's abuse of freedom, he saw fit to provide protection even as he banished them from their freedom. Yes, he did. Now, you think about that. Banishment is such a harsh word. But he sought to give them protection in that banishment. So he's showing his incredible benevolence as he's carrying out a harsh, harsh consequence. Genesis three twenty-one to 24. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us knowing good and evil, and now he might stretch out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out from the garden of Eden to cultivate the ground for which it was taken. So he drove the man out, and at the east of the garden of Eden he stationed the cherubim and the flaming sword which turned every direction to guard the way to the tree of life. So lovingly hidden within the compassion of God's protection was a veiled hope. Now, God's protection was God made for them garments of skin. He dressed them. Mm -hmm. He did. He protected them as they were being banished because he loved them. And there's a great lesson in carrying out of justice with a merciful heart Yes, that God is teaching us there. But within that, not only does he do some protecting of them, but he, he puts a veiled hope in place for God's intention for his human creation uh, created in his image was still for dominion, responsibility, and yes, it was for freedom. That's his intention all along, even in the banishment. This freedom is a future hope and promise. And that's why he said to them, um, you know, he, he was, was sending them out, but there was a sacrifice made on their behalf, wasn't there? An animal sacrifice. That's where they got the covering. And, you know, I don't know what animal mm. it was. It doesn't say. But I'd be willing to bet it was a lamb. Mm. You know, it just seems like that would be appropriate. And you can see the great, great power of God's plan. And but God, there was a cost, Rick. And that's the point. There's a cost for freedom. But God wants us to be free. So he's giving us opportunity. So... The freedom message here is what? We are no longer free when we have betrayed the giver of our freedom. Without embracing the full scope of our responsibility, freedom just becomes a distant memory. God knew this and planned a much better ending that could only come with a cost. So we are no longer free when we betray the giver of our freedom. And betrayal is such a harsh thing. But that's what happened. They betrayed the giver of freedom for the voice of Satan. They chose to follow the voice of Satan and look where it ended up getting them. So we need to understand that there are dire consequences when we betray the principles of whatever freedom we are given. And that means betraying the responsibility that freedom is built upon. It's not freedom and responsibility. It's freedom because of responsibility. Let's go back to the Declaration of Independence for a moment here. The first paragraph 
in the declaration after listing the many grievance, grievances that the colonies had against Britain. And there were, I don't know, 18 or 20 or 30 grievances. You know, we always say uh, representation without uh, or taxation without representation. That was just one of this long list that are very eloquently laid out. Here's the paragraph after that. In every stage of these oppressions, we have petitioned for redress in the most humble terms. Our repeated petitions have been answered only by repeated injury. A prince whose character is thus marked by every act which may define a tyrant is unfit to be the ruler of a free people. Those are hard words. And basically what they're saying is, look, we've just listed out all of these grievances. And it's not like we're just telling you now, okay, here's the list of, the, of our demands. Meet them or else. They said, we have been working on this for years. We have been communicating. We have been trying to get you to understand this is unfair. This is unjust. And we can't live like this. So this was a culmination of attempts to communicate and to negotiate and to work through issues. It wasn't a proclamation. It was a culmination. There's a big difference between the two. And what they're showing is a responsible approach to seeking true freedom. You know, and you know, the, the thing about the, 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 the sound bites, we're going to go to a sound bite in another second here, the, you know, the, the uh, millennials and the generation uh, wires and all that, you know, and, and this idea of entitlement. You know, it's a putting out your list of demands. What they did is they showed they lived what they believed, and then, based on their living and their being unheard, they put out those, that list. Very different. Very different, because they lived it first and then put the demands out second. Now, let's contrast that now with going back to this uh, early show interview, uh, CBS News, uh, Millennials Entitled and Lazy is the name of the YouTube segment there. And this actually adds a dimension to this whole issue uh, that uh, that's actually very, very sad. Let's listen. You've got to take the jobs you can get now and get the experience, build your network, do these things that give you more options rather than saying, well, i got to hold out, I'm 28, I need to be a manager first. Yeah. Never worked anywhere, but i got to be in management. Yeah, and you have to take into account, too, at some point mom and dad are going to kick you out of the house, so you need yeah. to get a job. You would think that, but it's not happening. That's what's so amazing. When we interview parents and ask them, when are you going to get your kids to leave? We just did this on my Facebook page. The average response was the age 30. <laughs> well, maybe that's 30. part of the problem. Parents, get them out of the house. <laughs> my parents, you know, if my parents could have got me out of the house at 16, I would have been out of the house. <laughs> well, that's a whole different I story. I remember that but... line at college. Christian, don't even think about coming home. Great to see you. Thanks for having Jason, good to have you Thank with us. Thank you. All right. So, you know, we were talking about the example of great parenting by God to Adam and Eve. Here is the contrast. Well, you know, obviously parents are going to kick him out of the house. And his response is, no, not really. They're not doing that. No, they're not. The parents have have grown weak and cowardly in relation to their children and won't demand of them anything in terms of responsibility. How sad. It is not only sad, it is corrupt. That is a corruption of parenting. And by corrupting your, yourself as a parent, you corrupt your child into thinking they deserve things that they need to earn. And Rick, before the program started, uh, you mentioned what one generation tolerates, the next generation accepts. Right. 
and then the following generation. Oh, they're in trouble. It's rule. It's the rule. It's, yeah. it's the law of the oh. land, if you will. So it's our generation, Jonathan. We're, we're at fault for, for not having the guts to require of our own children responsibility for their freedom. See, it's freedom because of responsibility. Just, just a, a quick side story on this. You know, we were talking during the last break about how generations have changed. My grandmother, she passed away several years ago. She passed away. She was 98 years old. And she... You know my grandma. Oh, she was amazing. One, one, a wonderful person oh, whose yes. work ethic was unequaled. You know, she just had that sense, and she loved everybody. Mm-hmm. She was a great example of Christianity. She lived through the Great Depression. And back in those days, there were no entitlement programs. There were, there were no bailouts for the, for the average person. And so when they didn't have work, and they didn't have money, and they didn't have food, what did they do? She and my great-grandmother together went door to door selling sewing needles. That's what they did because there was nothing else they could do. Did they sit at home and complain and say, nobody will take care of us? No, they didn't even think about doing something like that. They went out and they, and they found a way to make a few pennies here and there. And you know, when we, after she passed away, um, it was one of those poignant moments, moments because we were going through things and we found some of those sewing needle kits that they sold. Oh, neat. Way, way, way back. And just, you know, you think about that and you think about, see, and Jonathan, to me, that's my legacy. That's the example that I am supposed to look up to and live up to in terms of, of being responsible and you get freedom because of responsibility. It's not just freedom with responsibility. It's freedom because of responsibility. That's what God taught us through the Garden of Eden experience. Folks, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255. Toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9 Eastern and 6 to 8 Central. And that means we're on right now. Check out our brand new website at ChristianQuestions.com. The world is in search of their rights. And yet this search is influenced by Satan, who was the original coveter, the original seeker of things not rightly his. And we know that. And, and that's where freedom breaks down because it's not being responsible to the guidelines with which it was given. Satan, as the original coveter, is prophetically spoken of in Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 to 14. We'll read selected part of these verses. How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. I will be, I will do, this is my objective, this is what I want. And you know, unfortunately, that's what we see in our clamoring for freedom now. Mm -hmm. It's me, it's, it's my, it's what I feel like. See, this idea that how I feel dictates how I act and how I act dictates how you must respond, that's satanic. Whoa. That's, look, read those verses. That's where it comes from. Unbelievable. And we need to understand that true freedom cannot be attained by going down that path. That is a path of destruction. It is a path of anarchy. Because do the math, folks. If I think that way about me as being God, essentially, and you think that way, and you think you're God, 
and Jewel thinks that way because she thinks she's God, and Matt thinks that way because he thinks he's God, and Fred thinks that way. Well, because you know he's better than all of us. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, what's going to happen? There's going to be a clash, anarchy, and that's what brings freedom down. That's what takes freedom away. In contrast to that, here's what you have in contrast. Let's go to the other side of the issue now. In contrast, we have the man, Jesus Christ, who came to this world to restore the freedom that had been lost. This is the silver lining to all of the mess that we've been talking about in the misinterpretation of freedom. Luke four sixteen to 20. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and was his custom. He entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And he opened the book and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. That must have been one of those moments, those potentially life-changing moments. Because this man comes who has no education. He's got, not, got no, no family ties. He's got no, no, none of the things that you'd look for to, to say, okay, there's the leader. And he reads that particular scripture. And he basically says, you know, this is what I've come to do. I have come to bring freedom. Now, what freedom was he coming to bring? The freedom that was lost. Where was it lost from? The Garden of Eden. And the rules and the guidelines and the, and the setup of freedom that God had given to Adam and Eve, Jesus is here proclaiming, I have come to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. I have come to bring back that which was lost. He was coming to do the will of God. Not his own. Satan came to take the place of the will of God. Which one of those approaches brings true freedom? This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject is freedom and responsibility. Still important? Coming up, how do we stay true to and responsible for the freedoms and opportunities that we have been given? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. You're listening to Christian Questions. See videos, hear past shows, and talk to us at ChristianQuestions.com. Here's Rick and Jonathan. Welcome back. Our subject for today is freedom and responsibility. Still important? We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9 Eastern and 6 to 8 Central. That means we're on right now. Join our conversation by calling 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-FOR-ALL. Or you can message us on your app. And you can also write us at Christian Questions, P.O. Box 1837, New London, Connecticut, 06320. Jonathan, we have learned some 
powerful lessons through Genesis and the Garden of Eden experience and what freedom is and how it works. And we really want to encourage you to subscribe to Seek Your Rewind, the full edition, because you want to take these lessons and you want to keep them and you want to rehearse them in your mind and in your heart and in your actions so that we can live as freely as we possibly can within the confines of our experience. So let's go back now to the, the, the Declaration of Independence one last time. The founders expressed a deep and abiding principle that when applied can keep us focused on the magnitude of our responsibility to the gift of freedom. And it was freedom because of responsibility. And that's what they showed us in action. So let's go to the last paragraph of the Declaration. We, therefore, the representatives of the United States of America, in general Congress, assembled appealing to the supreme judge of the world for the rectitude, which is moral integrity, of our intentions do, in the name and by the authority of the good people of these colonies, solemnly publish and declare that these united colonies are, and of right, ought to be free and independent states, that they are absolved from all allegiance to the British Crown, and that all political connection between them and the state of Great Britain is and ought to be totally dissolved, and that as free and independent states they have full power to levy war, conclude peace, contract alliances, establish commerce, and to do all other acts and things which independent states may of right do. And for the support of these declaration, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. So the Declaration of Independence begins with God and it ends with God. That's beautiful. It is. And it puts freedom because of responsibility into the context of godliness And that's really where it truly does belong. And they say at the end, we pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. And Jonathan, I wonder if we remember what sacred honor really is anymore. It's been forgotten. And, you know, just for a moment, let's take a moment and let's pay tribute to those heroes who fought and died so we can have the freedom freedoms that we have. Uh, we're going to go to a verse of that you're probably not that familiar with of America the Beautiful by Ray Charles. Listen to the words of this verse because it is a tribute to those who have who paved the way for us. Oh beautiful for heroes prove In liberating strife Who more than self Their country loved And mercy more than life Bye. 
such a beautiful sentiment to put things in perspective. Because, you know, and Julius mentioned it in his phone call, we are truly blessed we are, right? with such wonderful freedom to be able to sit here and to talk to you about Scripture, about our perspectives, about our thoughts, about the Word and the plan of God without, without recourse. And, 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 you know, that's what they provided for us. And we need to be thankful for that and do our very best to live up to those principles of freedom ourselves. At the end of the Declaration, Jonathan, there were, th- there were three things. Our firm reliance on divine protection, mutually pledging our lives, fortune, and our sacred honor. Those two things. Let, let's just talk about those two things as we wrap up this program uh, this morning. Our firm reliance on divine protection. As a Christian, as a true Christian, as one who's really trying to follow in the footsteps of Christ, which incidentally is a way to be free, Okay, God really does protect us. Psalm 91, verses 1 and 2. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. There you have it. My God in whom I trust. Because we fundamentally trust in God, we therefore are responsible to believe his word. And remember, trust without responsibility applied is useless. Freedom without responsibility applied is useless. So we believe his word. Psalm 119, 104. From your precepts I get understanding. Therefore I hate every false way. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I have sworn and will confirm it that I will keep your righteous ordinances. You know, there's, there's, there's great power in, those, in, the, in, in that verse. He says, therefore I hate every false way. We have come to a point, Jonathan, where we decided to tolerate every false way. Mm. We we decide to say, well, you know what? False ways, it's, it's, you know, look, it's okay. Just give it slack. Now, does it mean that you should, you should, you should beat people down with, with righteousness? No, 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 no. But where you have a scope of influence, you need to apply godly righteousness to that scope of influence, especially with your children. Do not give them a sense of entitlement when responsibility is what your is your responsibility to teach them. They, these are the true ways that that David says in the hundred nineteenth Psalm. We're going to stand up for. We're going to believe in. We're going to we're going to per- pursue. So we've got fundamentally trusting God. We've got now believing in His Word. Now that makes us responsible to stand up for that Word and those principles against against that usurper, against Satan, because he will take you down if you decide to let him. Ephesians six ten through 13 Finally, be strong in the Lord and his, his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. You know, and in that scripture, Jonathan, there's much there, but I just want to make one quick point. It says, put on the full armor of God. So today, you can't decide to walk out of your house and say, you know, I'm not going to put on the helmet of salvation today because, you know, it's going to wreak havoc with my hair. So, Well, I know that's important to you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I just don't like, the, I don't like the feel of the girdle of truth. So, you know, I'm just going to go without that today. You, you can't do that if you, are, if you are going to be free in Christ. Be free in Christ. Be responsible to the things that you must do because the enemy is greater than you are. 
our firm reliance on divine providence. That's what it looks like for a Christian. Mutually pledging our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. And Jonathan, what we are striving for is freedom for excellence. And for us, it's excellence in Christ. Ours is an opportunity to fully offer up all that we are and all that we have. Romans six eighteen to 22. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. I put this in human terms because you are weak in your natural selves. Just as you used to offer up the parts of your body in slavery to impurity and to every increasing wickedness, so now offer them in slavery to righteousness leading to holiness. And that sounds so unfree. <laughs> offer your, your, your every part of you in slavery to righteousness that leads to holiness. And incidentally, that's where the greatest freedom is. It is. So again, there are guidelines to freedom that we must hold to. Pledging your sacred honor. Pledging your sacred honor is not just a statement. It is a day-by-day way of life. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5-8. through eight. Now, for this very reason also, applying all diligence in your faiths, supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge, and in your knowledge, self-control, and in your self-control, perseverance, and in your perseverance, godliness, and in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ that freedom comes. True, heartfelt, big freedom. Fred, let's go to our final soundbite. This is the final verse of God Bless America from Martina McBride. God bless America that and we just need to keep the perspective of what that's saying again that is a prayer it's 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 asking for god's blessing but folks look look let's look around and let's be honest with ourselves and when we look at 
and you know I don't want to end a, an inspirational program on a on a down note. But look at the mess. Look at the mess that we have allowed to happen because of our own irresponsibility to the freedoms that we've been given. And you know when when we say oh you know I hope God blesses America. What am I doing so that God can bless me? Am I living in accordance with true scriptural godly principles of freedom? Am I living in accordance with the guidelines that were set forth in Genesis? You know, we had the freedom legacy given to humankind. That was the model. The Genesis experience was the model of freedom. And all those freedom messages that you you were going over with us, Jonathan, most of those messages at the beginning were, we're most free when? We're most free when? And then, when when there was the defiance to the guidelines and the principles, we have lost our freedom when? We're no longer free. We are no longer free now. Freedom is a byproduct of two things. It is a byproduct of God's blessing and providence and overruling and plan and guidance and direction. And it is a byproduct of our responsibility to God's blessing and overruling and providence and plan and direction. It's our responsibility to live up to his guidelines. And folks, at this point, you've got to look at that personally and say, how do I live up to the freedom opportunities that God has given me? Let this weekend, let this 4th of July weekend help you to thank those who have put their lives on the line for us and also help us to focus on spiritually what we can do to be free in Christ. For Jonathan and Rick and Christian Questions, we'll be back again next week with another subject. But till then, freedom is because of responsibility. Be responsible. Be free. Till next week, think about it.